All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio. Market pricing is nuts. Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber. Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle. WBI brings you wealth building market insights. Hi, I'm Don Schreiber, and this is Bull Bear Radio. Matt Schreiber happens to be on the West Coast today, and we are standing in for him. I apologize in advance that your regular uh, radio uh, host is not here. But we also have Steve Van Salkema, uh, WBI's uh, chief investment officer, uh, and he is here in the house. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm awesome. doing great. Good. How, Good. Do you, how do you like these wacky markets, Steve? Oh, it's very calm. I'm, I'm very calm these days. You know, that's no. I'm joking, of course. This is uh, this has been an interesting month for sure. This is a uh, wild ride, roller coaster ride, just uh, like an amusement park for sure. Yeah, we're on that maximum roller coaster that comes right off the rails, <laughs> and everybody perishes. Yep, that's yeah. what this market looks like. You know, today it's up. I mean, we're here on Friday. Uh, this is uh, our Bull Bear Radio uh, episode number 77, by the way, folks. We're getting up there. We're going to be uh, circling around 100 pretty soon. At any rate, um, on the global macro front, there's some really crazy stuff going on around the world. I mean, it's unbelievable. And it's causing investors a lot of anxiety. Yes, it is. Uh, without a doubt. I mean, you know, p- people have been focused, obviously, in the United States, looking at the numbers there. But like you've pointed out, the global markets are really uh, looking very poor. I mean, China, as we know, um, you know, we've got trade tensions. I'm sure we'll probably talk a little bit that, about that later. But, you know, China GDP came in below 7%. Um, normally, you know, people would think, well, that's still positive. But China's a growth economy. Supposedly, anything below 7% is uh, indicative of a recessionary kind of an environment. I I think it's the lowest it's been since uh, 2008 in the Great Recession or possibly even a 25-year low. Their industrial production slumping um, significantly. We've got Eurozone problems, Germany, uh, problems in Japan, uh, huge problems in Argentina. Uh, you know, I, I just it's hard to find a, a good thing to talk about when we're talking about the world economy right now. What do you think? I don't know, man. You know, U.S. Uh, uh, and China trade is... really crazy. I mean, it seems like the two countries and leaders are kind of a little bipolar. You know what I mean? Yeah. They they can't figure out which way they want to go with this thing. You know, um, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, you know, this thing, uh, you know, going forever, you know, trade, trade, uh, 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 the trade wars are going to go on for, you know, uh, a long period of time. And uh, President Trump saying, Oh, I'm just fine with that. I'm not ready to make a trade deal. Um, you know, but this last week they've been flip flopping around, you know, uh, yeah. Hey, no met now. No, let, no problem. Latest, no problem. the last couple of days they're <laughs> saying, Hey, we could resolve this thing really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, you know, you want to talk about difficult, uh, predicting what exactly is going to happen. You know, one day you're, you're, you're feeling like the, there is no end in sight. Like you said, um, it seems like the, the Chinese are hunkering down. They can, they can survive a long battle. 
Uh, Trump comes out with very boisterous, oh, you know, I, I don't need a deal. If they want to make a deal, they make a deal. Um, and then suddenly he backs off, right? He backs off on uh, some of the tariffs that he just put into effect. Yeah, December, man. Yeah. We're gonna, yeah. We need a, uh, a holiday rally. Make well, sure that Santa Claus has got to come yeah. to town, you know? Oh, I like that. I actually like that. I think that's great. Right. But but I don't think that, you know, this is necessarily indicative of of a true resolution, you know, then and, and the market's obviously reacting to any little bit of news, whether it be a tweet or just a little glimmer of hope. Uh, you know, oh, they had a phone call. Market rallies 100 points. Yeah. You know, Trump tweets, China speaks. <laughs> and every time one of them does something, the markets either go up or down. Yeah. And, you know, yesterday, I think it was China reversed policy course in in midday yes they were negative in the morning then they came out positive in the afternoon yeah with or i think within about an hour and a half of each other it was it was a a very interesting situation there yeah they came out aggressive said that they're gonna have to uh you know react to the u.s tariffs with equal measures and very forceful futures sold off overnight in the u.s and then all of a sudden yeah they backed down and said well no we hope to meet in the middle somewhere don't worry we'll be fine no, not if that's not enough. How about you know the deal in Hong Kong with the political oh, unrest? You know, China's got troops at the border. Yeah, Steve, what are the implications? Well, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but um, and again, this does change day to day. But um, first of all, we certainly hope that uh, the Hong Kong situation resolves peacefully and that there's no. Uh, you know, the, the, the violence is, is, is contained and, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, maintained as, as little as possible. But the problem that we have right now, Beijing is obviously in a corner, right? They, they don't like what's going on and they are amassing troops, according to, you know, the reports that we've read and it's supposedly going around. But, you know, the point is, is at one situation, I think a week ago, it, Trump came out very hard and it sounded like if China walks in and, and, and tries to take care of the Hong Kong situation on itself, Sounds like no trade deal. That's it. Everything's off. Sanctions will be imposed by the U.S. And, uh, you know, man, the markets sure would just crash on that. Then he kind of that one point this week, he sort of lightened up. And I mean, President Trump lightened up and he said, you know, I hope that China resolves this peacefully and humanely and no deaths occur. And it sounded like he was kind of backing off and allowing Beijing to do what they want. Yeah. Um, this is China's problem. Yeah. Said. China's problem. And, you know, the Chinese certainly like that because they feel, you know, Hong Kong is, is part of them. And, um, you know, they, they back that off. But again, I think we talked about this uh, at some point this week. You know, these protesters, they, they're, they're painting their face red, white and blue. They're waving American flags. China's accusing the United States that, you know, we're, we're somehow involved in instigating these protesters. Um, I know you have a theory that it might be uh, actual Chinese uh, Chinese uh, protest uh, involvement. There. Yeah, I, I actually, Tell me about actually, that theory. again. I think this is a put up job. I think that, you know, uh, China wants uh, Hong Kong back, um, wants it back now, along with Taiwan, by the way. And um, I think that the protesters and demonstrators are, you know, uh, possibly a plant by the Chinese to essentially stir up trouble so that they can go in with their troops, you know, and uh, squash whatever, quote unquote, rebellion, rebellion there is, uh, protests there are, and uh, essentially, you know, be in control, uh, kind of wow. like martial order. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, this whole thing out of... Uh, Hong Kong started to spin out of control over a seemingly relatively innocuous 
problem. Yeah. So it, it, it seems a little bit uh, uh, questionable to me on how this thing spun up. And then all of a sudden, within a week, we've got a massive buildup of Chinese troops on the border. Right. Well, In a I week. Mean, it started with, you know, the, the proposed law. Exactly. Right. For the extradition. And that was backed off, I think, within days or days. a week or something like that. And so then, yeah, one would think uh, protesters would settle down. But no, it, it, it just sort of was a flashpoint, maybe. Maybe uh, your theory is absolutely accurate. But suddenly, yeah, it was all about democratic reform, independence from China, everything going on, uh, pro-U.S., pro-democracy, you know, pro democracy, pro-freedom. So I don't know. I agree. You know, look, the Chinese, I'm sure, you know, I think it's, what, 50 years before officially, uh, you know, Hong Kong would be uh, absorbed back in. I, I'm sure China would like to see that uh, happen a lot sooner. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they, they might certainly use this. The question is, how is the U.S. going to respond? Well, I'm not sure, you know, and this is one of the big risk factors here. But, you know, let's switch gears for a second and talk a little bit about the new PM in um, England, mm, you know, Johnson. Great Britain. Yes. we got Johnson, right? Mm. And uh, from what I have read and heard, he's a pretty hard Brexit guy. I mean, like, let's crash out of the euro. Yeah. You know, um, what are the implications of that? What do you think is going on there? Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, look, there was a lot of talk about that earlier um, uh, with the old prime minister. But, you know, everybody said, no, that's impossible. They won't do a no deal Brexit. Um, you know, it just would crush the uh, you know British economy even further, push them definitely into recession. Currency would have horrible, you know, hor horrible problems. And there would be global implications as well. Uh, you know, our markets certainly would be hurt uh, when when Brexit Brexit was uh, there was Brexit tensions a while back and and the U.S. market was was taking it. Yeah, and I'm surprised and now because we 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 have Johnson come in and he seems to be he'd be fine and he's going to push for it. I think it's you know probably more likely he might be the shortest prime minister in history though because you know they probably could just hold an election and no confidence vote and vote him out and uh, whatever. But we'll see when uh, Parliament comes back. I think they're on a break until September. But You know, it's really, uh, you know, all of these things with that are really populist-led, you know, meaning that they stirred up the population about different things. Brexit's one of those. I think if they actually did another referendum, uh, the folks who voted for a Brexit mm, would yeah. probably vote against it today after seeing the mess that they've created for the last year, year and a half. And, um, you know, their, their economy is crashing. Yeah. I mean, you know, they keep slipping closer and closer to recession, you know, and the, the uh, trade uh, impasse with China and the trade, um, you know, pressure around the world that we have is affecting all economies. You know, the Eurozone is basically in recession right now. Germany, the largest economy in uh, the Euro and, and basically the bank for the rest of the European uh, countries um, is, uh, you know, in recession. And one of the startling things that, you know, you're, you're a bond guy, mm -hmm. right? Steve, that's, he's got big time experience on the bond side. And, you know, with the 10 year boond at minus 70 basis points, <laughs> negative interest rate. Yeah. I mean, you know, what in the heck, how does that work in their favor? I mean, this looks like yeah. an absolute disaster from a financial system standpoint. Yeah, there. Uh, it's you know that being that negative and likely to f to become even more negative. Um, you know, they're talking about you know uh, quantitative quantitative easing on top of allowing you know of rates going even further negative. 
you know, it's the intent is obviously to stimulate uh, growth, right? Consumption, et cetera. The question is, is there really enough gunpowder there to make it work? And you know, it hasn't worked so far. Um, the, the the fact that monetary policy in and of itself um, can try to stimulate that growth is is becoming more and more questionable. And you know, like you said, Germany, you know, their industrial production. Uh, I think the latest reading was negative five point one or five point two. It's it, that too is the worst reading since the the the, the last Great Recession, et cetera, and. You know, the question is, how do they dig themselves out of it? I think they're... Well, they're not going to dig themselves out of it using the same policies with negative interest rates and QE that have given them no growth so far. I don't know how that helps. I think that just drives them further into the hole. Yeah. Um, And, you know, talk about craziness and this wacky environment that we're in, you know. And Steve and I are uh, co-CIOs of uh, chief investment officers for WBI, and we work really closely together. And I mean, we look at each other and we're just astounded by what's going on. You know, a couple of days ago, there was a Danish bank that offered for the first time (laughs) in history negative mortgage interest rates. They're willing to lend you a a, a, give you money, 30 year mortgage with negative interest rates, meaning they'll pay you to take their money. Yeah, and both you and I uh, didn't we try to fill out applications oh, on the same absolutely. day? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I I don't think unfortunately we'd have to have uh, houses there. We we, we but I we, mean I'll take all the money they want to lend on oh, that absolutely. situation. Yeah. Same thing with Germany, man. Minus seventy basis points if they'll let me borrow. I'll take I don't know a couple hundred billion would be good. Yeah. And on the other side, on the savings side, uh, you know, you've you've saw I think uh, UBS. Uh, you know, they're going to institute. Um, you know, a charge on savings account for people with over a certain amount of dollars, you yeah, know, $500,000, $500,000. So, cash. you know, it's, it's so counterintuitive that to think that, you know, banks are supposed to want to take assets in, uh, lend them out, make safe money assets. on that. They're safe, the safe yeah. haven, guarantee your money. Oh, you want us to give you a, uh, a, a FDIC backed, uh, savings account? It's going to cost you. Right, right. So, you know, people will just take their money out and stick it back under the mattress like the good old days, you know? Um, but, it, uh, yeah, it's, that that's what it's supposed to do. Again, these negative rates, this monetary policy is supposed to incentivize people to not hoard cash, but to take it out and create that demand through spending, et cetera. It's not working, you know? It isn't working. And before we get to U.S. markets, we're going to start lead off our next segment in a second with Steve's favorite the the inverted yield curve and <laughs> and what happened so far this week with that sounds good and we'll be right back are you looking for more value-added content market updates or economic outlooks from our hosts visit wbiinvestments.com today to get your hands on all of wbi's content we look forward to seeing you there and we're back and guess what folks thank you i want i want to thank you for listening you know bull bear radio is something hey we don't get paid for this we're trying to help you guys wait get what a, yeah, no, no, we don't, we don't get paid oh, for this. Man. Sorry, Steve. Man. Sorry, Steve. No check today. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, we have, uh, well, you can find us wherever on any service that has podcasts, you know, like iTunes and SoundCloud and Google Play and just anything. You can even, you can even say, Alexa, start Bull Bear Radio. And I think she'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, here we are. We're 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 back with uh, the inverted yield curve. Some time ago, 
the, th- the three um, three month and the ten year inverted. It's yeah. been inverted for how long, Steve? So I think it was May twenty second. Uh, and again, the, this we're talking when we're talking about yield curves. You know, we're talking about the difference in yields between one bond or bill and another. Uh, so two fixed income instruments. Normal yield curve is the uh, steep yield curve. Because typically, you know, rational uh, investors would want to earn more money, more yield for the return on investment, the longer that the asset is, you know, sure, set in duration. They're that, taking more risk. They want to get paid a little bit more yield for exactly. taking that longer term risk. Exactly. Right? That's I mean, that's that's, you know, lesson number one is what, what you learn there. Um, but what we have here is we have an inverted yield curve on the. Th- and so when we compare the three month, the yield on the three months to the 10 year U.S. Treasury, um, that inverted on May 22nd and has been inverted ever since, except for, I think, one day it blipped up a little bit. But basically, um, it's been inverted for quite a while now. Um, It's the first time that it inverted since uh, 2007. Um, It's right now reading, I think, when we came down here, it's about negative 32 basis points. It's one of the lowest rates as well. Uh, I'm sorry, lowest spreads since uh, 2007. And typically, the three-month and 10-year curve is a sign that uh, Fed policy is just too darn tight. Um, is you know that the Fed has uh, the rates they hiked too much. The Fed, uh, the market is basically trying to imply, hey, look, you know, uh, the, we we need lower interest rates. But what happened yesterday, as 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 we you know were talking about earlier, is that for again the first time since two thousand seven, the two year and ten year interest rate curve also inverted. Now it did so briefly. It's back positive today, um, but. Uh, the 210 curve is typically just a, a sort of not only a confirming indicator of the three-month 10-year curve, but it also is just a sign that economic gloom and doom is really on the horizon. So with both of these inverting, that's really what sent the stock market down heavily yesterday for sure. Um, and, you know, we it, the treasuries have come back a little bit today, but are bounced uh, down, I should say. But um, yeah, it's not a good sign. Definitely not a good sign. Inverted yield curves t- typically uh, are pretty good recession indicators, right? That yeah. Recession within the next six to eight, 12 months, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And when you get a confirmation uh, from the threes and tens go negative, and then you get the twos and tens go negative, things start to get really, really concerning. One of the other things that's interesting, I've been in the business a long, long time, you know, um, I'm not father time, but um, the 30 year treasury mm. yesterday hit the lowest yield in history ever, 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 ever. One point nine and change, as I as I recall. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's hard to even fathom. I mean, uh, you know, that again, just, as I was just saying, people typically want more return for uh, you know the, a longer term investment. And right now, bond investors are saying, you know what? If I'm going to put my money away for 30 years, I'm okay just getting a 1.97 percent yield. Uh, you know, never been that low in history, and um, it's the the the, uh, the speed of the decline as well. Um, just even in this month, I mean, it was uh, the yield, if I remember correctly, was around 2.6 or 2.5 just just a few weeks ago. And yeah, when they cut. Yeah. So, you know. Now it, it's way lower. Yep. And, you know, this this kind of puts the, uh, you know, the Fed chairman in the box here. He's got uh, President Trump just standing on his head 
trying to get him to lower rates because there's an indication here, obviously, that they got too tight when they started raising. You know, there was tremendous populist pressure on the Fed who had been at zero interest rates for a really long time that they needed to normalize rates and start hiking rates when we had uh, a modicum of growth. And the problem was we never got enough growth to sustain any kind of interest rate hike cycle. And we're seeing that now, you know, the economy's slowing in the US, the economy's slowing around the world. And so tight conditions are just the opposite of what we need. But you know, yesterday or this morning, <laughs> we had surprisingly strong economic data. Yeah. Right, Steve? Yeah, no, we sure did. Yeah, I mean, it, it came out extremely strong. I mean, we had, uh, uh, let's start with Empire Manufacturing, which is coming out of the New York Fed as a sign of, you know, how, how strong that is. The, the expectations were for a 2.0 reading came out at 4.8, you know, more than double what the reading was, and even an increase over last uh, month's 4.3 reading. Uh, we, we had, uh, let's see, the, another one was the Philadelphia, uh, Philly, Philly Fed Business Optimism Index as well, uh, expected to be 9.5, came out at 16.8, still a decline from last month of 21.8, but uh, significantly higher than what people expected. And, uh, you know, industrial production as well, um, you know, the there was, you know, serious strong numbers coming out. Retail sales um, really wowed people. People are, you know, sort of thinking that the real reason for this continued expansion, or the, pardon me, not the real, but one of the few reasons is the consumer continues to support us, um, and the consumer demand continues to support us. And you know, we saw a little bit of a sign there with the retail uh, numbers that came out. But, you know, today, uh, as we were talking about earlier, uh, consumer uh, confidence from uh, University of Michigan actually was low. Um, the, that number came in um, uh, quite low. I think the lowest in uh, almost a year. Uh, it was expected to be 97. It came in at 92.1. So, you know, people yesterday were all talking about, oh, the consumer's keeping this rally alive. Don't worry. The economy's nice and safe. Uh, but maybe the consumer is showing signs of weakness, just like we know that manufacturing has uh, been showing signs of weakness as well. But there's a lot of different data points here, a lot of different things for people to digest, especially Chairman Powell. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's in a tough spot. I think we were talking about this earlier uh, before the show. You know, I think that uh, uh, Fed Chair Powell is in the toughest spot since uh, Fed Chair Volcker back in uh, 1980 when, you know, he had to t staring down the barrel of stagflation with really unbelievably high energy prices and uh, deep, deep, deep recession. Um, the the uh, government had at that time been um, managing monetary policy um, and interest rates um, themselves. And he said, he stood up, you know, um, Volcker uh, and said, you know, I know what to do here. We're going to let interest rates, yeah. you know, be, become uh, driven by the markets and not by controlled by the uh, government and he let rates rise yeah. on treasuries to 21% on the short side and 16% if I remember correctly uh, for long-term treasuries. Now you can imagine 16% on a 30-year treasury bond versus what we have today. Yeah. Under two. I mean, this just doesn't make sense. Um, and markets hate uncertainty. And one of the fallouts is, you know, the, the, you were just talking about the consumer, Steve, and you know, they've been strong and we can't afford them to get soft and stop spending because they're almost 70% of the economy. 
And the next biggest component of the economy is CAPEX, which is corporate spending on plant and equipment. And what's been going on with that? Declining fast. <laughs> I mean, it just collapsed, right? Yeah. It was strong last year. Oh, yeah. And it just absolutely collapsed because, you know, company leadership doesn't know what to do. Yeah. The uncertainty for corporations, especially those that I think, I think, uh, you know, I, I think I saw something. The S&P companies um, typically have around 40% of international exposure on average. Um, and so think about that. We just were talking a few minutes ago about how uh, much gloom and doom there is on the global, you know, global scene, uh, trade tensions or trade uncertainty at least. And so these companies are dialing back and they're saying, look, man, I'm not, I'm not going to go out there and fill up my warehouses with inventory. I'm going to wait for uh, you know significant demand to be there. And as far as capital expenditures, I mean they're they're not investing in themselves right now either. They're kind of hunkering down, putting the cash aside. Um, you know, maybe even doing some of those uh, stock buybacks that I know we've talked about uh, over past episodes. Yep, that's what's driving markets. Yep. Definitely. Stock buybacks, baby. You can thank companies if they weren't in the marketplace buying back their stock, we would be much lower than we are right now. Yeah. Yeah, every every rally, uh, pardon me, every decline supposedly has been met with uh, those corporate buybacks. And, uh, you know, I think we saw some of that news come out of various big firm trading desks, buyback uh, trading desks that said that, you know, anytime there's been a decline in the past uh, couple of weeks or even the past few months, yeah, those, those, those corporations come in and they just start buying back their stock. Well, is that really true demand? I mean, no. I mean, is, is, is it the retail investor that has confidence in, in, in the economy, it uh, doesn't seem like it. Now, these, these these companies are really kind of almost, in some ways, people would argue they're artificially propping up their stock prices uh, and using capital that could be used for capital expenditures or other types of investment. So that's going to have a ripple effect and sort of a domino effect uh, even. And, um, I, you know, it, that, that's why looking ahead, it, it looks pretty scary. So, you know, uh, one of the other things that in my career is that um, – coming up on 40 years here in the business, um, one of the leading indicators of whether or not the economy is going to start growing or it's going to start contracting is housing. Yeah. And housing's been a little soft lately. What do you think? I mean, we're in the fifth month of a housing uh, uh, yeah. you know, uh, numbers con- contracting. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, new new home sales. You know, we, we've got declines across the board in, in, in various types of housing. Uh, the only kind of... Sh- you know, remaining light that's there in housing has been refinancing activity. But that's, as we know, driven by the fact that rates have been coming down. And, you know, if you've got a 5% mortgage and now you can refinance into a 3%, well, sure, you know, of course. So there has been an increase in, in um, you know, refinancing activity. But as far as in new homes, construction, um, you know, and those initial mortgage applications, new home buyers, yeah, it's uh, there, there's been a contraction. And, you know, that's that was really part of the the major uh, growth that occurred in the last uh, cycle. And uh, we're definitely seeing that start to decline. I know that you and I have talked about it just driving around our area. We just see the same houses for, with for sale signs on, I don't know, months, you know, even years in some cases. Everything's for sale. Whoa. Yeah. 
Everything's for sale Ooh. and it's not moving. It's not it's not even just the 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 glut of inventory for sale, but the fact that actually nobody's buying. And that 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 seems to foretell something about people what people really feel and whether they're really uh ready to, you know, lever up. All right, man. That's pretty good. Uh so, you know, we've talked about a lot of uh kind of scary stuff. I mean, this to me, I've said this before uh, uh many times on uh, Bull Bear Radio. You know, um, this is a really uh, different market cycle. We've never seen the Fed control uh, monetary policy uh, in favor of or in response to market cycles like this before ever. And, um, you know, we've got uh, both the president and the Fed, you know, trying to manipulate the markets into not going down too much or in, into rising, which is actually pretty supportive of the markets. I think if... They, you know, they weren't trying so hard to keep the markets up. We'd have uh, markets down. But, you know, um, we, we anticipate that, uh, you know, Fed policy is going to have to be unbelievably accommodative. Fed's going to have to cut, cut, cut because the rest of the world is cutting and lowering interest rates. And we've got the highest interest rates in the in the world. And um, it causes, you know, problems for us in terms of trade, et cetera, um, we get a lot of money flowing into uh, the U.S. markets, which temporarily is good, but long term, it's not so good. So, you know, our interest rates probably have to come down uh, a bit to uh, to support economic growth to get there. You know, I think the whole world is missing one thing, one component, which is fiscal stimulus. And um, until we get real fiscal stimulus, which doesn't seem like a real strong possibility in the U.S. Congress, no way they're going to, you know, give us a big fiscal stimulus package, a couple, two, three trillion dollars, which is what at minimum is needed. But, you know, I saw um, in Bloomberg uh, this morning that Angela Merkel, who is the prime minister of Germany, is trying to put together a fiscal stimulus package. And Germany has been, since the financial crisis, absolutely against any fiscal stimulus, you know, against going uh, into more debt. And but it is the right thing to do, and it gives me a little bit more hope. I think if we can get a couple of countries to start you know, thinking clearly about what the next step is to support economies, we could come, up, come out of this thing uh, without a disaster. You know, I'd like to really focus on what happens between now and year-end. What, what do you like for investors? Well, uh, for investors, uh, yeah. What do you like? What do you think is a good a good play? You know, I I think investors, you know, need to be very careful here. Um, I don't think it's maybe time to you know throw everything out and uh, you know go to a completely defensive posture. However, it's definitely not a time to be uh, uh, buying the dips in full and 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 putting all your chips on the table and levering up. So you know, I I think that we need to be uh, cautious. Uh, we need to look out for any continued warning signs. Um, as we know, and you know, we've said uh, a simple tweet from the president or a comment by Powell or the Fed uh, can send the markets, you know, a thousand points up. Um, but then any escalation in trade uh, problems or tensions can send uh, the markets a thousand points down. So it's a very hard market to uh, navigate. And for the investor, you really want to make sure that you protect your capital at this time because, um, you know. 
we definitely don't have the signs right now of a sustained continued expansion and and uh, certainty of uh, you know uh, uh, growing corporate earnings and and all the things that you'd want to be fully invested in equities that's not that's we, we're not talking about that right now it might not be the very end like you said the recessionary indications of, of that inverted yield curve sometimes very often the stock market continues to rise for another six months 12 months afterwards before we actually are in that recession. So there might still be some room, um, but it's a question of uh, how much and how careful to be. Um, you know, we'll see what the Fed does in September. Um, do I think that you know the market's going to be higher or lower in December than it is right now? I don't know. I, I, I think it's probably going to be either around the same level to slightly below. But I think between now and then, we're going to see a lot of volatility. And that's not a market that you want to play with very well. In the last half of 1999, I watched investors get sucked right back into oh, yeah. investing. It was an absolute disaster. You know, the markets uh, sought major, major new highs. NASDAQ was up a frothy 85%. The S&P was up 26%. People made a really bad short-term decision. The easiest way to win at investing is to always maintain your capital, protect your capital when the risk return uh, a paradigm doesn't seem to be in favor of taking risk. Right now, all of our models are indicating that we are at a very high risk situation. In this kind of environment, you need cash yep. to mitigate risk. Cash is king, baby. Cash is king. And we're going to let it go right there. Thanks for joining us for Bull Bear Radio. This is Bull Bear Radio, where each week you can count on our real market news and advice. Catch all of our podcast episodes at WBIinvestments.com. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants or clients of WBI may own stocks discussed in this recording. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly, is suitable for all accounts or profitable all of the time. And there is always the possibility of loss. You should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a substitute for personalized investment advice from WBI or any other investment professional. If you have questions regarding the applicability of specific issues discussed to your individual situation, please consult with WBI or your chosen professional advisor. This information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable. Accuracy cannot be guaranteed. WBI's advisory operations, services, and fees are in the form ADV available upon request. You are not permitted to publish, transmit, or otherwise reproduce this information in whole or in part in any format to any third party without the express written consent of WBI Investments Inc. This episode was recorded as of August 16, 2019.